Sarah Hocko, welcome. I feel honored to have you on our podcast today. Super excited to have you on here. I know we're going to talk about all kinds of things, crazy, good, bad, and different. First thing I have to comment on is the fact that you are wearing one of my favorite colors, super hot color for this season. You look fabulous. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. And I love this color too. I love green. It makes me happy. Yeah, well, it brings out your eyes and your beautiful smile. So before we started uh, the podcast, we were sort of chatting and I said, oh, well, yeah. And we were talking about relationships and she's like, mm, you don't know my story. So do tell. We were just talking about your birthday's coming up. My birthday's coming up. So um, I don't know it sounds a little sad sack. It's not a sad sack story, but no. Um, the evening of my 38th birthday. So I was just putting it into perspective. So just about 11 years ago, uh, the evening of my 38th birthday, uh, my two-year-old, my four-year-old and I were, uh, rescued from our house and never went back. So we had an RCMP exit. And when I was exactly 38, I had a two-year-old, a four-year-old, no money, no job, no home. Wow. And didn't I start off by saying you and I met years ago and I, you and I sort of kept in touch over social. And I always said, you know, this chick is such a rock star. I did not know your story. And thank you for sharing and being so honest about what you had gone through. And if you want to elaborate on that again, I'm going to leave that totally up to you. As I said, on this podcast, everything is very organic. And I can tell you that we're going to talk about relationships, money, entrepreneurship, sex, women, male predominant industry. All and all then the all of that goes to hell in a handbasket. And we end up talking about something totally different. Super cash, super organic and real. So thank you for starting off that way. And wow, what city were you, you don't have to disclose that, but what city do you want to disclose uh, where you're living? Yeah, no, I was in Calgary. I was in Calgary and and I'm reasonably open about it in the sense that I, I speak at um, women's shelters. Uh, I speak at high schools for pregnant and parenting youth. Um, you know, I think, I think that the word stigma is overused, but, but what I like to say to women is it can happen to any of us. It can happen to any of us. So I may not look like um, a victim. And still, I found myself in this ridiculous situation where we were escorted by the police out of our home, right? So it's it can happen to anyone. So it's not some random stereotype that I would have had in my head. It... Um, it happens and let's get out of it and 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 I'll help you out of it. Right. That that's, that's I love that. And the fact that you're talking about it, I think for uh, our listeners and for people who are actually uh, going to be drawing from your experience, you know, this podcast really is all about sharing the struggles. I mean, we could sit here and talk about rainbows and unicorns and that's great, but it's really about talking about the hard stuff because I find that people avoid it like, you know, the plague and they, you know, we all know I, my, my Ted talk is actually on who are you in the face of tragedy and you are the epitome of sort of who I talk about, meaning that you could be, you know, being a human being 
you are going to suffer at some point in your life. You're going to suffer loss. You're going to suffer heartache, headache, hard times and tragedy. And who are you in the face of tragedy? And so I'm going to ask you, who were you during that October, just before your 38th birthday? Who were you? Were you broken? Were you determined? Like, who were you that? Um, it was, everybody's process is different. I, I didn't leave when I anticipated leaving. Um, but I kind of went through a process of being so sad and heartbroken that this was my life. Mm. And then I transitioned to a, fuck this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? So I kind of went from sad to angry and mad, but trying to stay calm and trying to, you don't just, people often say, well, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? Well, a woman's life, I believe is something like 800 times more at risk in the three weeks weeks following an exit, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't just leave. You don't just leave when you have no money, when you're fearful, um, when you have kids, you don't just leave. So um, I was just trying to find a way to untangle myself. And um, and believe it or not, I'm actually a, a classic victim of, uh, let's call it a, a, the narcissistic abuse I, I don't want this all to be focused on this but no uh, no but this is such an I, important topic Sarah you know well, I'm I, I classic I read all the books after but I'm classic in the sense that I was independent I was educated I you know I, I had assets I had all, all of these things that shouldn't have made me susceptible to uh, being caught in this situation and yet I was but because I'm such a fixer planner I was like oh shit I better Maybe if I do this, this will fix it. Maybe if I do this, this will fix it. So I just kept on trying to fix me and fix the situation and um, and elegantly remove myself from said situation. Uh, and it wasn't elegant. It was a mess, but we're out. And um, anyway, so now, now every year on my birthday, it's like a rebirth. I'm just like, I'm excited. It was like a new life and not thank goodness all of that happened, but it's, as people often say, I'm like, that built me, that built me, that built my daughters, that lit that. the fire, right? Life had been super easy for me in my teens and twenties. I had had a really nice, easy, I was smart enough. I was fit enough. I had a good job. I had, right. Life was pretty easy. And I lacked, um, I lacked empathy and I lacked sympathy for others. And I didn't know why everyone couldn't just pull up their socks and get their shit together. Um, until I was like, oh, how this I is why. <laughs> yes, this is why. So I think that my greatest lesson from all of this was um, empathy and compassion and um, creating a village for people when they don't have one, because a whole village came and helped me of people oh, that I didn't even know. I love that. You know, every single sort of thing that I've done and including podcasts and everything, everything sort of circles back to even our mission of I am unbreakable is community, right? And I feel that women especially really thrive off of community and the support. Doesn't matter what you're going through. It could be something as difficult as what you went through. It could be something, you know, that you're struggling with, um, professionally it could be oh. you're having issues with you know you're adjusting to uh, having a newborn or uh teenagers or 
kids in their 20s, regardless of what the, let's just call it struggle is, um, the whole reason we built this platform was to talk about the tough stuff. And right out of the gate, you started. And how beautiful is that, that women, I mean, you and I think have always had that vibe. We've never met face to face. Uh, we've done a few things together online and whatnot, but we've always had that vibe. And I feel like if you and what you are talking about now is that you sort of really connected with your community, with your village, with people that helped you through. But taking it even one step further, now you're actually talking at these shelters, talking with women in very similar situations, which I, you know, bless your heart, I think is so amazing because I'm all about serving others and, and giving back. And, you know, that is the beauty that came out of your shitty situation, right? That is one of the beautiful things that came out of your shitty situation. So you've kind of answered my last question because I always ask people, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? And I think you're basically saying you need to be broken to become unbreakable because people will say to me, and I'm sure they say it to you as well. Oh my gosh, you're so strong. And, you know, I wish I could be like you. And I'm just sitting there listening. I'm like, do you know the shit that I have gone through to get to where I am right now? You haven't a clue. Cause I haven't been broken once or five times, maybe no, five times over and over again. Yes. But and that's what builds. Like you said, I had it so easy. I had it so good. I was, you know, killing it in fitness and whatever, but yet you needed to be broken to be able to grow. Yeah. Would that be a fair, fair sentence? Yeah. I, and I felt a lot of guilt for a lot of years. Like, oh my God, what have I done to my daughters? I've made them warriors. I've made them warriors. I've got two little mini black belts who like <laughs> have no fear and, and I have no fear. I have no fear. Like, I'm not scared. I'm not I scared. Love that. I love that. And you know what? How old are your daughters now? They're 13 and just about 16. God yeah. bless. And, you know, I feel that at the end of, you know, your chapter, because I don't ever say the end of your journey. I, I think that's, I tell everybody, my next tattoo is going to be life's a journey, not a destination. And I know Steve Tyler says it and sings it way better, but it's true because I think that that was a chapter and, you know, the whole struggle is part of the story. You know, you cannot be human and a good human or, you know, I think every human suffers. There's suffering. Being Hopefully. A that's where the and growth is. That's where the growth, that's exactly what I was going to say. Perfect. But I think up until like you, you kind of mentioned in your story, you didn't have that until you had it like extraordinary in your face. I had like sad things happen. I had a brother that died. I had parents that divorced. I had like those oh, things. But, things. Yeah. <laughs> but um had big things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, none of I, what I say to people, I'm like, none of us are in a trauma contest, right? Like it's not a trauma contest just because my trauma is bigger than your trauma doesn't mean that yours is insignificant or vice versa, right? It's easy to yeah. say, well, my situation was bad, but not as bad as let's not keep score. Let's just help. Sometimes we're in a position to be reaching down and helping people out. And sometimes we need to be able to lean on others and let ourselves be helped. Right. So we all have roles and, and life's up and down and, you know, we just keep on keeping on. 
But did you find that, and thank you for sharing that, because I think the whole keeping score thing, just to go back to that, because I have 30 million questions for you, is so important in every relationship. You know, obviously, you know what I do for a living. Um, and uh, aside from having multiple businesses, one of my businesses for private investigation is people call me when their lives are falling apart, right? And they're always about either, like you said, poor me, or I had trauma when I was young and I can't believe he or she did this to me. And yeah. then, like you said, it's about keeping score and in any relationship, but especially the relationship you have with yourself and others, I think the point you made was so important is don't keep score. Like don't yeah. compare. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And so when, so now you're without a job, without a money. Well, you said with that, with no money, yeah. with two young children, mm -hmm. probably terrified because you made one of the biggest decisions in your life for you and two other people. Or right? made for me, but yeah. But, oh yeah. yes. Okay, fine. Um, now, was it terrible afterwards? Like, did you guys have to go through courts or what happened? Like, did you have no. to- no, it wasn't, uh, what I say is, and, and I say it honestly, it wasn't easy, but it was mostly just kind of inconvenient. What I did have, and this ties really tightly to my main charity that I dedicate my time to, what I did have is, is so many things in my favor. I had a family that loved me, right? I had sisters and I had parents that loved me. Um, I had an education. I was already a chartered accountant. I had work experience. English is my first language. I had connections. So it was bumpy and inconvenient. And, but I had a group of people ready to help. You know, I, within a week, I had five job offers. I'd been out of the, I'd been a stay at home mom for five years, but I was able to bounce back and be making a really good salary. My sister found me a place to rent. My mom went to like Salvation Army and garage sales. And like my house was hilarious for the first few years yeah. because it was somebody's couch and such, you know, like some throwaway kitchen table. It didn't matter. We were safe. I got a big dog for safety, right? So there were, you know, we had an EPO in place for a number of years. I had a, my dad hired a bodyguard for me, like all, all this stuff, but all of these people were helping. So was it easy? No, but I was football fields ahead of what most or many people are going through, right? To be able to jump back into the job market. Uh, you know, my stepmother went and bought me clothes for me to wear to work, right? Uh, God bless. Neighbors were dropping off clothes and toys for my girls because we left with nothing, right? So, um, so I just jumped right back into it. Um, after I gave myself, so I left November 15th and then I started working again on January 2nd. Um, and, and I was making enough money that I could hire childcare, right? I had all of these things that most people don't have. I recognize that. So, uh, to be a single mom working full time, that's hard, but heck of a lot easier when you're not worried about paying rent and you're not worried about paying for childcare, right? Like that's, that's, you can't even measure how valuable that is. Like nothing will bring a woman to their knees like childcare. 
A hundred percent. And you know, so, you're, yeah. it seems like you really, like you're very humble, which I've always known about you, but it sounds like you are doing everything still today, which is the epitome of, you know, a positive mindset. Like you're living for the moment and you're, but you're more importantly, you're living in gratitude. You could be, you know, soaked in this anger and frustration and bitterness, but you are just, to me, you're a ray of sunshine when it comes to a really tough topic for people to talk about. And um, I had another gal, actually, I'm going to invite you to one of our roundtable discussions. Um, yeah. that also, she was um, a former uh, pageant winner and um, escaped very similar the way that you did and created this beautiful life for herself. But I love the fact like people always used to kind of sweep it under the rug. You know, I'm going to stay because, you know, it's just whatever made all the excuses in the world. And people think, you know, you left, you took the easy way out. Uh, no, I did not. I did the harder thing. I did the thing that was going to be right for me long and the girls or the kids long-term. And I give yeah. you so much kudos and respect because I know it's not an easy thing. Yeah, but it's also great. I'm pretty, I'm, I, I, I'm grateful every day, all these years later. That's what I'm to, saying. It's, it's yeah. so refreshing to see. <laughs> so funny. Like I'm like the, the first few years, like I get to go to work. I get to see a friend. I get to, like all of these things were like, small wins and um yeah anyway and is, so is that your philosophy in life is that how you do things because I mean I lots of people have these big huge goals and big huge dreams and don't we all and it's wonderful to dream and have goals but I know something that a really good tip that works for me is having your big goal but then having mini goals and having these bite-sized goals that you can touch and feel and see and experience maybe on a daily basis right like you're yeah. saying about seeing your friends maybe it's a fitness goal right you know i want to lose 30 pounds and look like a jacked you know volleyball player same but you know what reality probably is going to be it'll take me you know 3 years to get there or 2 years whatever it is so do you set many goals for yourself is that a um, yeah and i i try to make them I make them attainable, right? So I'll have short-term and long-term. So when I went back to work, um, the first thing I had to do was I went back to school at the same time. I was already a chartered accountant, but when I got married, I stopped um, I stopped the program to become a licensed insolvency trustee. So I started that again. And then I don't know what I was thinking with two young kids at home. And then I did my master's in law. And then, oh. um, so- those were incremental goals. Educational goals are easy, right? Because they're uh, timed out. Uh, and then I decided to leave a very good paying job that had benefits that I got paid every two weeks and start my own company, which I wouldn't recommend to people. Like if I was giving someone business advice, I'd be like, are you crazy? Like get your act together and then do it. So then from a business perspective, then we set many goals, right? Like I want to charge X number of dollars per month. And then our yearly revenue, we want to be this or right. Like it has to be, if you don't set the smaller goals or, or from a fitness perspective, I want to run a marathon. Well, if you've never run a 5k, how about you scale that back and start with a 5k before and, and celebrate that win, right? Exactly. Or 
and I'm super terrible at yoga and I do it most days now because I'm like, I don't want to be terrible at yoga. So, but I'm not going to be a superstar. I'm probably the worst person in the class. And so I just keep going. So my goal is literally like to be able to touch my nose to my knees. That seems like, and I'm giving myself like six, eight months to reach that goal. This is how... (laughs) you're hilarious it's like set set many goals whether you're trying to save money or lose weight or do a fitness or start a business whatever it is it's many goals and that's the thing you know I feel like we are so hard on ourselves as women and it's funny because you know I'd consider myself pretty intelligent until I realized and somebody said you know and I'm like you know I'm not making these you know goals and I'm not you know hitting my target and they're like so who set these goals? And I'm like, well, I did, of course, they're my goals. Like, sure yeah. You set them, of course, I'm sure I set them. You know, you can change the date or you can change the. And I'm like, but then that doesn't make them goals. And it's like, but yes, it does. Like who made the rule that you can't, you know, give yourself an additional month or give yourself an additional whatever you need so you can attain that goal. Let's say, you know, life threw you a curveball. You didn't obtain that. Like, I'm not saying if you're sitting and not doing yoga at all and still five months later, you can't touch your your nose to your knee, then that's just you being kind of lazy and not really interested in the goal. So then you mark that off the list and say it wasn't that important. But we can move dates and we can change little tiny things to sort of, you know, still feel like it's a win, right? I just yeah. I feel like we're so hard on ourselves. easy on yourself. Like, I think you need to give yourself grace, make yes. sure it's sustainable, right? Like, I'm not going to set a goal of being an opera singer. I can't sing. None of the, all of the song lessons in the world won't change that, for yeah. example. But also don't keep um, procrastinating or putting things off. I'm not a big, like, oh, I'll start on the first of the month or, oh, oh like, you, no, if you decide that, today, yeah. start We're today. talking about something totally different. Yeah. Like, but set your goal. yeah, set your goal, give yourself grace. Don't beat yourself up, but, um, yeah, Stay you either want it, you either want it or you don't. if you, if you don't want it, that's okay, but don't complain to me about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And a hundred percent. And what I meant by, uh, you know, moving the date was if life throws you a curveball, which example, it will somebody in your family gets ill and you're the caregiver and you've got to put everything sort of on that's let's say you know learning yoga uh sort of to the wayside for a few weeks that's what i'm talking about i'm not saying well i just really didn't feel like going yeah, but no, I, I love it. It. yeah you know I, I i'm getting it. your your goal oriented vibe adrian i <laughs> clearly there's, we have the same no lazy, there's no lazy aura about you No, no, there is not. But I think forgiveness, if you don't meet the goal and not having to throw that goal in the garbage is something I just learned. So I'm kind of excited about it. But anyways, the other thing I wanted to say to you, I was laughing because you're like, yeah, I'm not the first kind of girl. I remember when I was, let's just say 40 pounds heavier. And this was a goal, not because I needed to look a certain way or feel a certain way. This was about me. This is what I wanted. And I remember starting on like December, I'm going to get the date right, 18th. And people were like, 
why would you do that? Like it's right before Christmas, like start January 1st. So first of all, I do not like new year's resolutions. I think they're nonsense. I do not like the gym January and the first. Oh, I heard you. You're talking about that on the podcast. I know yeah, it's because, always because everybody yeah. goes with like the best of intention. But my thing is exactly what you said. If you want it, who cares if it's right before Christmas? I did it right before Christmas because I didn't want to have to lose another five pounds in January. And I feel like when you decide you want something, you got to put your blinders on and go. And just do it. Well, and another thing you said, doing it for yourself. I don't think, at least for me, maybe some children follow into it. Maybe some adults follow into it, but trying to attain somebody else's goal for you never mm. resonates, right? Like it has to, you have to be aligned, right? If you're. Yeah. hundred percent for you. A hundred percent. And, you know, I feel, you know, at the end of the day that if you don't do things for you, then it's not going to matter in three or four weeks and you probably won't attain uh -huh. it. Why not? And it's funny because you said about the whole thing about um, your little karate kids. So my older son is a, is a junior black belt. And I remember he wanted to quit just before his black belt. Like he was like maybe four or five months before his black belt. And I'm like, well, why? So, well, I just don't really like it. There was no real reason. It was, it was hard work and the test is long and hard. There's all, yeah, I get it. it. Whatever. Right. And so I'm like, well, here's the deal. And you know, mm -hmm. hindsight is kind of funny because we laugh at, he's 25. Now we laugh about it uh, to this day, but I just say, you know, just get the belt. And after you get it, if you want to quit, he's, then you quit. So did his little thing. And it's not a little thing, as we all know, like he won, like the best Ontario sparring championship. Like he was a really good little yeah. kid, right? But he didn't want it. And I wanted it for him, not because I wanted to say, oh, he was a black belt because I didn't want him to quit when he was so close to his goal. It was his goal originally, right? So anyways, he does his little test, does his little whatever, walks over to me. He's like, here you go. Here's your black belt. I quit. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that was a good lesson, son. Thank you very much. Right. But, you know, I think, you know, if you, that was sort of, to me was a different lesson, but do you know what I mean? I think if you push people or kids or uh, people that you work with uh, people that work for you, part of your team to do something they don't want to do, they're not going to be happy in the end. Um, you suck the love out of it. The love out of it for them. Yeah. So you're kind because of, then they'll you're freezing. Oh. Oh no! There you go. Mm -hmm. Whatever you just did, that's per. Yeah. Okay. Now you're back. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying that. Uh, what I found when I push, when I have pushed my kids, is I just suck the love out of it for them, and then they resent me and they hate. You know, I couldn't pay my kids to run with me. I made them do a couple five Ks with me when they were quite little, and I was probably a bit of a taskmaster, which. <laughs> I regret eight years later, they still complain about that one race. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry. I and, tried. So sorry. <laughs> and, and I did. And it's been eight years since they've run with me. So that is hilarious. And, but you know what? This is what I say to my kids and we could talk kids forever. I think when you lead with the best of intention and, and I love the fact that you can apologize to your kids because a lot of 
people that I know are kind of like, well, I'm their parent and what I say goes. And, you know, if they don't like it too bad, so sad. You know, I was brought up by a baby boomer and I didn't get an apology like ever. I I think I, I have now that she's 87. God bless her. She's still my best friend and my my rock. But, you know, growing up, I never got that. And I just, you know, I think it's important to apologize to your kids. And a lot of times I'm like, listen, you did, they forgot to give me the manual or you didn't come with one. I don't know, whatever, you know, we, we lead with love and what we do and what we show you are opportunities. But I think if we listen to them, like you said, with the the little ones running the 5k or me kind of pushing him to finish, you know, his black belt. I mean, I think it's lessons though there too, for them, you know, that, you know, kind of finish, start what you finish. Sorry, I can't talk today. Finish what you start. Or if there's a reason that you don't want to do it, at least articulate it. Right. Because he couldn't communicate to me why he hated it. He just, or disliked it or didn't want to do it anymore. So I think there's lessons to be learned all around for them and for us. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I mess up all the time. So I'll, I'll apologize for it, but what you would have lived through and maybe still are is I say to my daughters all the time, like they, they think they can lie sometimes. And I'm like, ladies, I too was 15. Like if you think you're fooling me, you're wrong. Just because I don't call you out. I, I, I know, I know what's going on. And if I thought you were unsafe or something was going on, then, then there'd be an issue, but a hundred percent. And that's the funny part. Oh, and don't forget that they're way smarter than you. Right. And that's one of my favorite lines. And they're like, oh my God, why do you have to keep saying that? Because they'll be, I don't know, I'll I'll ask them something, whether it's about a social media thing or they're, you know, they're, they were brought up with this. I swear to God, I had a pacifier and a bottle. They probably had a cell phone and iPad and, you know, some other electronic that they grew up with. Right. And they'll be like, oh my God. And they'll like roll their eyes. Like not all the time, but sometimes, and I'll be like, you know, I taught you how not to shit your pants. So maybe you could take as much time or just like five minutes. To sh- and they're like, okay, fine. Right. But you know what? I know your girls are great. And you know, my kids, I cannot complain, knock on wood, not saying it's easy. It's always um, sort of a, a different flavor every single day uh, of what we go through. And I have a 15 year old still, and yet let alone private investigator, investigation agency, owner, what? Yeah. And you're trying to lie. And, and I'm like, I, I'm always like, own your shit. Like, if you're going to do this, just just own it. Like, I don't need details about all the girls. Your husband, uh, an ex-cop? Like, yeah, he's an ex-field sergeant. Yeah, but they still think. <laughs> they still think. <laughs> Is it not? It's so laughable. They don't find it funny now. Like they will find it funny, but they don't find it funny right now. But down the road, when they have their own kids, when we're like sipping, you know, lemon water or margaritas on the beach while we're relaxing and they're going through H-E double hockey sticks, raising their kids, they'll understand. I'm convinced of that. And, you know, I was talking with, with a gal that I just did a podcast with earlier and she's like, you know, my mom always said, Little kids, little problems, bigger kids, big problems. And it's so true. It doesn't matter if they're in their teens. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to give you a little bit of advice. Ready? Are you holding on to your desk? So you know how they say that the teens are the worst? Yeah. It's the 20s. Oh, yeah. 
you're like, oh, great. I thought I was going to be through. Yeah. My nieces and nephews are in their 20s. Yeah. So far, we've, um, my girls have been good. We've been, I've, so far, yeah. so good. And when I say, I, yes, but they're going to be, I think it's a different kind. It's not like when we were young, where our biggest problem was, you know, what am I going to wear? Who are my friend groups going to be? I think it's so much bigger. Like they're really trying to find their way. That That's what I mean by, I don't mean anything like two yeah, balls or off the charts, yeah. but it's hard I, for them. I'm hearing you and I'm, I'm watching my nieces and nephews who are all in their uh, early 20s. And it's, uh, it's, it's different problems that we didn't encounter. We sure didn't. And, you know, you added that you threw the pandemic in there. And I think our youth really are the ones that suffered tremendously. I mean, everybody did with the lockdown, but I found like my one son, he missed all the rites of passage. So the graduation and he was an honor student. So all the awards, they were in finals in hockey. I was more upset about hockey than I was his high school graduation. He's like, high five, mom. I see where your priorities and university. are. Two of my nieces were at university. One was at Ivy League, like no university experience. Yeah, yeah. crazy. So, you know, it is what it is. But um, what I wanted to also ask you, so you are now how many years in being by yourself with the girls, I guess it's about 10 or 11. Um, yeah. 11 years, 11 years. And looking back. So, so many people, therapists, amazing leaders always yeah. say, and I, I believe, you know, looking backwards causes depression, looking forwards, forward causes anxiety. You know, it's all about living in the moment. I agree, mm -hmm. but I like to look back to see how far I've come. Are you the same way? Do you ever like sort of, ref it's more of a reflection of, wow, was I ever a different person? Do you look back now, like 11 years later and think, wow. It's like it was, um, it's, it's like it was another lifetime. Like mm -hmm. my married life feels like it is this other lifetime and another person. It was, it was, uh, it was a very sad heart. It was a very sad marriage. It was very, very challenging. Yeah. But now where you are now and where you are today. So if our audience, anybody in our audience is sort of going through, you know, the struggle is part of the story is obviously our tagline and my tattoo somewhere is this like the past does not define you. And that's no. really the message that I want to give people that no matter how hard things are today and right now, it's not yeah. always going to, you're not always going to feel like that. Right. Would you agree? Yeah, I did. I wrote an article for, might've been UWN. It might've been a blog when I still had my fitness company going, um, that your past doesn't define you. It instructs you. It guides you. It is not who you are. I am not what happened to me. Ah. Uh. That, that's, that's the message. I am not what happened to me. I love that because you know what, if you allow yourself to sit there, I think you have to allow yourself the space to feel whatever, uh, you know, you need to feel because it, it really is a, a loss and a grieving process, if you will. Right. So you, like you said, you maybe, uh, experienced relief, anger, hope, whatever your feelings of your, your process to get over that. And whether you are still, you know, in the matrimonial home or not, 
you knew that there you had to get out you had to be away from that space but allowing yourself the grieving process but then you moved forward I mean geez you were back at work what two or three months after this all happened that is that's resilience six weeks after yeah say it again six weeks yeah it was six weeks from yeah but that is resilience and fearlessness all on its own do you not do you see that or do you just think well I just did what I did because I think because you're so humble I I almost felt like I was holding my breath for a full year just like doing the next thing during I, I need to find a job I need to find a home I need to work I need to right so I, I think it was a year or two after before I was able to exhale and be like, we're okay. We're okay. I'm okay. This is good. I was just one foot in front of the other, not even looking up for the first while, but, but reflecting back on the last 10 years, 11 years, it's been, it's been great. It's been beautiful. It's um, I've been, you know, you, when we were talking right before the podcast launched, you asked me something along the lines of what advice I would give someone who's in a transition, whatever that transition is. Uh, And I think the most important thing to do is what you and I would know because we're old enough now, but the word no, the word no is a full sentence. No. Uh, I think women are more susceptible to uh, trying to make others uncomfortable at risk of putting ourselves in an uncomfortable position. So say no. And I have a very small, tightly crafted village, right? I, you don't just, I, you know, I'm friendly. I have lots of acquaintances and I always say, you know, I, I sit at a, no, we have a, a horseshoe, not a circle, right? Everyone's welcome. But the people close to me are, it's a small list. So why is uh, that important to you? I think for me, I need to be really intentional about who's in my circle. We're all so busy. I mean, I have two companies. I had three, but right now I own and run two companies and I have two daughters and I like to make sure I exercise an hour or two a day, right? Like we only have so much time. Time is our most precious commodity. Sure. So whoever is part of your time, I, I said, no, I don't have time for the energy vampires anymore. If I'm uh, don't steal my light. Like I'll, I'll share, I'll share and I'll try to help you along, but I'm not going to be spending my time with, uh, people who are always just taking from me, uh, and not filling my cup. And, and it uh, and that can be through other, it, it doesn't, obviously it's not financial or work related. It's, it's an energy exchange, right? There has to be an equal right. energy exchange. And sometimes I might be the one needing help. Sometimes my girlfriends might be the ones needing help. We all just need support and equality. And we're all equals, even though, you know, my besties are, you know, a stay-at-home mom and a hairdresser and a ninja and a doctor. And it does like, it's, it's, we're all totally different, but we're all kind of fighting the same fight with the same goal of just raising people up. So the only people that I want to be spending time with are the ones who, again, aren't keeping score. Your win is my win. I love that. Right. So no jealousy, no pettiness. We're not in junior high. Yeah. Uh, You know what? That is so important. And that is a podcast all on its own because 
you know, you talk about filling your cup and, you know, your besties and stuff like that. You know, there comes a point in time where you sort of have to look at, you know, I had a childhood friend that we had been friends for three years, uh, since we were three years old, sorry, not for three years, for several decades, because I'm 29 and a half, not. Uh, and, you know, it was tough because I don't think it ever started like that. And for years, it was that energy sucker. And having to say goodbye to somebody you've like spent an entire, maybe even three lifetimes with is really oh, tough. hard. And it was a heartbreaking, it was, it was harder than, than any, you know, man breakup. Uh, and, but it was necessary. It was necessary for me. And I, you know, when I ever, you know, people always ask the, the question, uh, what would you tell your younger self would be exactly what you said is time is so valuable. What you just did 10 minutes ago or 10 seconds ago, you will never get that back. doesn't matter how much money you have or your resources, your social financial status, whatever, you will never get that time back. And I've been with many people um, that have been alone and I, I've you know, uh, been with them as they're passing through to the other side. And nobody ever says, oh, I wish I stayed at work more. Oh, I wish I whatever. It was always, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time with my family. You know what I mean? So those lessons to me are so incredibly valuable. So that to me would be my my thing to tell my younger self. What would you tell your younger self, if anything different? Um, I'm probably tough on myself. I would have told myself to work harder in my 20s. But oh, really? Oh, come on. You sounded like a rock star even then. Slacked a little bit. Like I, I was fine. I articled, I got my CA, but um, there were so many things that I didn't know. So from a work perspective, I would have done some things differently. Um, but from a Sarah perspective. So what about from a personal, what about who you shared your time with in your twenties? Cause we're talking about that, right? So would you have shared your heart, your life? Like sometimes I look back and I'm like, I actually shared two years or four years with that person. What was I thinking? Did you, would you ever think about your time and who you shared it and gave it to? I think, you know, it, I, I think everything that's happened was intentional and for a reason. What would I tell my younger self? Exactly what I just said, exactly what I tell my daughters, um, you know, no is a full sentence. It sounds so simple, but it's so true you know, don't demulate for others. I mean, those are all like, I don't know, probably Glennon Doyle quotes or something. Um, they're I great. Consider, um, this is maybe a parenting thing, but also a self thing is um, junk food is not a treat, right? Don't treat yourself with poison. Uh, and, and that could hold for alcohol. That could hold for bad food choices, but you've only got one body. Take care of it. I consider um, health, uh, healthy living, purposeful, not, not for the exterior, but for longevity. I want to be around for a long time. So be intentional. So be intentional with your words, be intentional with your actions and live in alignment. Are your actions in alignment with your values? Mm -hmm. Some people don't even know what their values are. Figure out what your values are. And then that will guide you in the right direction, in my opinion. Absolutely. And did your values sort of in closing, did your values change? Like, have you always, cause I think you've always been very, you know, my body is my temple. I'm going to respect it, honor it. 
and treat it as such. And God bless you. Um, and not everybody does that. Now, when you talk about junk food, you know, the, the generation coming up, they're crazed with uh, unhealthy. Well, actually, it's either I think it's either one or the other from what I see. But anyways, would you tell yourself, like, do you think that your values changed or just maybe grew from when you were younger, like in your 20s? I think what changed is, I don't know if my values changed so much. I think the biggest shift for me that continues is um, gratitude and compassion and and honesty, not, not that there was a dishonest period, but honesty with myself, uh, you know, the, the COVID period, uh, was the most curious period of probably everybody's life. Uh, and I was probably, um, not aligned with a lot of people, uh, and, and that resulted in, in friendships changing. Um, so I'm, you know, just as long as I think if we are honest, if we're living honestly with ourselves, truly honestly with ourselves, then, you know, that's, that's the big adventure that that's where you win. It might take longer. You might have to be patient. It's pretty easy to take shortcuts, but and like you said, you might lose a few friends along the way, but maybe those for, and, and I feel like people change after decades of, you know, friendships or a few years of friendships. If your friendship can be sort of severed because of, you know, the world pandemic or because of parenting or politics or who knows, right? Then, you know, I, I don't know the exact saying about, you know, people are, are in your life for a season, a reason, a chapter, you know, the whole novel, whatever the case may be. But I love the fact that you're okay with change, right? Change is inevitable. Seasons relationships evolve, right? Relationships evolve and they served a purpose. Every relationship served a purpose, whatever that purpose was. And sometimes we may not know, but it serves a purpose. So whether it's a business relationship, a friendship, a romantic relationship, they served a purpose and they helped us grow and evolve and learn in some capacity. And sometimes business relationships and friendships also run their course. And that's okay. They don't need to be, you know, end in a blaze of glory. It can just, you know, it's changed. It's just shifted somehow. It, there yeah. doesn't have to be or, or dispute. It's, it can just be a, oh, we're not quite aligned anymore. And that's okay. I can still respect you and value you. And hopefully you'll feel the same about me. Exactly. And so I just want to ask this, anything you want to share with us regarding sort of things that are coming up in your future? Are you running any marathons? Are you doing anything fab that you want to share with us besides what you're already doing? And if uh, there is not, then no problem. But I love the fact that you're speaking at these shelters and you're helping other people. I think that's absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's good. It's valuable. I, I think that work is impactful on, on the women that I meet. So that's good. Uh, I stopped teaching fitness at the end of February. So now I'm just, now I'm just a yogi. Now I just run and do weights and do hot yoga poorly. So doing anything fitness wise or anything in your life poorly, I think you're probably not, you know, at the top of your class, but that just means you get to learn and grow. And I love and respect right. that. 
And uh, yeah, no, our my current goals are primarily business focused. We launched a, another company in the end of February, and that's been going well and has me traveling. What company a- now? You got to now you got to do tell do tell. Uh, we have we started an asset based lending fund. So the our regular business, Hawko Peters, works a lot in the restructuring space, refinance, reorganization. Um, maybe interim CFO, financial administration, tweaking, that sort of thing, uh, helping companies get sold. Uh, And what we were finding is that there were a lot of companies that needed money. They're in a liquidity crisis and the banks were either too slow or too scared. Uh, And then your typical bridge type lenders, these deals were too small. So we specifically focused on, you know, the 500,000 to 3 million range where we can, get you a bridge loan within probably about three weeks it has to be asset backed so you know there has to be a house or a car or a crane or something to attach to but it's been wild we've hit our 12-month goal in the first six weeks we've been funding coast to coast so my business partner kent and i have gone you know from the east coast to the west coast and it's been just Super fun, super, super I fun. I love that. And just think about how many businesses and entrepreneurs you're helping. Well, and exactly. It's, you're I helping grow. This is an untapped space. Like, what? why does it take so long? Anyway, so it's, you know, it's, I don't know, kind of consistent with what I do with my volunteer work and with our other work. It's like, we're fixing a pain point. I'm kind of in triage. I'm going to be here for a bit to help you through and then get you stabilized and then you never need to talk to me again and then away and then away i'm like in and out if 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 you're stuck with me for more than a year then then we've got to have a talk right i love that sarah hako you are a rock star through and through i have the utmost love and respect for you what you do is so incredibly important personally and professionally love your mission love your vision and we shall talk soon i can i can't wait to meet you in person i know when are you coming to tea okay so let's say bye bye okay